You are tuned to Arctic 15, a meeting spot for startups, investors, and businesses making real human connections since 2011. Join our next event. More information and upcoming dates on arctic15.com. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it was unfortunate that we missed the previous keynote. Uh, Christian flew in from Germany and lost his voice on the way. So he texted me he cannot be here today, but we'll, we'll continue the program. This is actually very interesting topic that we have. And this big part of thank you goes to Ralph of bringing up this not an issue, but this kind of like the point of view on what's happening in the markets and how technology, digitalization, everything is like starting to blur. So the how, and then we are looking more today about the private equity part, also combined to VC funds because we have two pension funds here and then one growth capital company here. So we're looking at a little bit of what, what, what does it mean that the VC private equity buyout what technology is doing to, because it's been previous old times, it's been very clear difference between all these, very segmented, but now technology is bringing these things more together and not so clear anymore. So that's what we're going to be, have a quick chat here today. But let's start with very brief introductions. We could tell a little bit about your company and what you're doing there. And please, Christina, if you could start. Hello, I'm... Christina Ring from AP6, that's a Swedish public pension fund. We have been in the market since the late 90s and we have a special mandate to invest in private equity and venture only. Uh, we started off as a direct investor because there weren't that many funds to choose in between, but over the years the market has evolved and today we have uh, the majority of the investments into funds, both venture, but the majority into buyout. We do directs still, but only as co-investments alongside the buyout managers. And I have been at AP6 for quite some time, so I've been working both with direct investments and fund investments. And over the last five, six years, I've been working very actively by expanding our venture portfolio from the Nordics to more to the US. So we have been adding six managers in the US market. Wow, interesting. Mark? Hi, I'm Mark Beath. I'm a, a partner at, at Apex Digital, which is the growth arm of, of Apex Partners. Uh, I lead the team in here in Europe, and we focus on in, investing in, uh, in tech growth companies, primarily doing enterprise software, consumer internet, and, and tech-enabled services. Uh, we like to do checks of around $50 million to $150 million. And uh, this se segues a little bit into the, the theme of the panel, but we, we, you know, we have a, a very flexible mandate. And, and so we look to do, uh, we're, we're just trying to find high quality tech companies and, and we're flexible as to whether that's a, uh, a minority investment in a high growth but loss making company or whether it's a, a majority investment in a, in a more moderate growth but profitable company. To pass the mic. Yeah, Ralph Schnell. Uh, I'm representing Siemens uh, Fund Invest. Uh, we are a 90 billion uh, uh, euro asset manager, mostly managing uh, pension money from Siemens, uh, but also some institutional money, and we even have a, a, some uh, retail offerings, at least in Germany, uh, quite attractive ones. I have, uh, have some of them in my own portfolio, so to say. Um, we are, uh, on the alternative side, uh, we are uh, investing globally, 
we are investing from VC to uh, mega uh, um, uh, buyouts. The smallest uh, we are primarily investing as an LP, only very selectively once in a while do co-investments, but don't have a systematic co-investment program. Uh, smallest deal uh, L, uh, fund we ever invested was 40 million US dollar. The biggest one was close to 20 billion US dollar, so quite a bit of a range. Of course, as uh, uh, also Christina pointed out, the majority is, is buyout, uh, but more and more growth uh, and a bit of very decent uh, venture capital investments. Uh, in uh, Regionally, I would say more than around about 55 to 60% US, 25% Europe, 15% Asia growing uh, in the last years. And a little bit rest of world. That's what we. That's what we do. Wow, very interesting. And of course, our topic here today: technology blurring the private equity boundaries. So, kind of like, do you agree with this or don't? And if you agree, and how do you see kind of like the fund and LBL landscape changing as a result of this? Who wants to go? Ralph, maybe you want to go first. Yeah. Uh, so, I, first of all, uh, I, uh, a little bit about myself. I'm a physicist by education and a trained engineer in microelectronics and software. Uh, and then I went into the VC business as a VC, corporate VC, for 20 years, then starting 1997. And only recently completely focused on the asset management side because that topic grew uh, in size so much that we had to, first of all, separate it from the corporate VC business and secondly, had to also regulated. We are a regulated entity uh, uh, in Germany, regulated by BaFin. So I have a little bit of technology mindness, I have to say. I have to admit there. Uh, but if you observe uh, what's going on in the market for the last five years, uh, uh, before that, typically, if you people in the investment business talking about technology, they immediately clicked into VC. It's VC. It's not the case anymore. We have dedicated uh, buyout funds uh, uh, going into especially software space. The large ones can, can name them. It's uh, more or less known. It's uh, like Vista, Toma Bravo, uh, or more not only software, but channel technology, Silver Lake, doing that for already quite some while. Uh, we have mid-cap funds who are really specializing in, in, in software technology, to name two. Uh, uh, not exclusive at all, of course, HG Capital in Europe and, and, and GenStar in, in the US, uh, all very much technology focused. We see different uh, uh, further observations. Uh, we see VC deals being taken over by uh, PE funds. We see e even VC and late stage VC and PE in some cases co-investing together. Uh, we see uh, a unique phenomenon called SoftBank. I hope it's unique uh, in time and doesn't uh, uh, have sustainability in the market. But nevertheless, it's an it's a it's something which is in the market we have to deal with. Uh, we see non-traditional uh, 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 investors going into the market primarily because the market shows growth opportunities and where do the growth opportunities come from? Mm -hmm. It's technology inno uh, innovation and businesses that are driven by technology innovation, software innovation typically have higher growth rates and that attracts the people all over the place. And that's why I say it's blurring. Blurring is a little bit a negative uh, thing. I would say some other people said it's a more nuanced approach to investor-based segmentation. Uh, maybe that's the more diplomatic way of phrasing it. <laughs> uh, 
I think, I mean, I, I, would, I would agree with, the, with a lot of that. I think we certainly see, uh, you know, companies that we'd be interested in as a growth fund that, that uh, where sometimes you actually have a, a venture fund that ends up sort of leading the round. Uh, a good example of that maybe recently would be a company like uh, uh, Vinted, which raised, uh, you know, 128 million euros, and that was, uh, you know, led by a, a, a VC fund. So I think we, we see it coming in that direction with, as VCs, you know, also raise uh, larger funds and, and sort of look to put more money to work. I think we also see it going a bit in the other direction from from growth funds as well. There are, you know, times when we either um, there was a, a software investment I uh, that last year that had actually already a growth fund in the cap table because they decided to you know to invest a bit earlier in that, uh, you know, in that stage. And and sometimes we see you know growth funds investing in companies that only have you know a few million euros of of revenue, which is you know normally a bit a bit below the kind of threshold that that you know we would typically look at. Um, and I think, you know, related to that sort of, uh, to, to that shift there, it also results in a bit of a different style because, uh, you know, clearly if you're, if you're investing in companies that are sort of smaller than, you know, than is normal for your mandate, then, uh, you know, that you're, you're likely to be investing maybe only one or 2% of your fund in a, in a deal, which is, is going to, you know, result in a rather less concentrated portfolio. Um, so I think it, it has a sort of, you know, impact a little bit into how people actually, uh, you know, do their investing as as well. We we prefer to take more concentrated investments in companies because we want to spend you know real time being able to you know to help them and and, and focus on them. Um, so I think it has a, a bit of a, an impact there as well. And then the other thing that I think is is maybe coming at the question from a bit of a, a different direction as well is that actually you know not only is it the, the companies that we're looking at, but it's also the way that we're applying technology you know ourselves is mm -hmm. and, and 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 you know in a uh, sort of early st stage way, becoming more, you know, more like technology companies as investors. So, uh, you know, if I think, for example, of one of our, actually one of our portfolio companies is a, uh, one, of the, one of the leaders in the Nordics in terms of, you know, data engineering and data science. And, and one of the things that we've noticed that is that they now get asked to help uh, investment companies sort of work on algorithms, you know, for them and helping them trying to use data better to find, you know, promising, uh, new companies as well, so I think it's also sort of changing things in that, that dimension too. Christina? I fully agree with Ralph and um, Mark, but I would like to add that within venture, we see that many like uh, tech VCs, they start to go into life science uh, venture, and up until now these have been two very separate ecosystems. But now many of the best solutions within life science is software-based, and then these two ecosystems starts to merge. So I think we will see a lot of change within the VC between those areas. Definitely, especially in, in the deep tech is now maybe one of the hot topics, and where which of course tomorrow we'll have a session more on deep tech. But I've uh, seeing and hearing also more deeply from science to business and there's still been a big gap and how it's like now catching up and there's more funds also coming on, on that scene. So that's super interesting. Anything more related to the fund and the LPS uh, landscape, especially from Ralph's side when you're looking at the funds and uh, looking at the managers and like that, is there something that do you look them differently when you're looking at the buyout side or on the venture side? And how do you see the technology playing a part there? So what we have in the team, we are a small team of 14 uh, persons. Uh, nevertheless, we do have a dedicated VC team. There are three and a half, the half is me. 
uh, only doing uh, uh, venture capital because I still believe that the uh, and and we are going in the VC space more and more early stage mm. uh, because I'm I'm not that convinced and uh, the colleague from uh, from EIF showed it that the perform the multiples and we are uh, we should not always talk about IRR we should at the end also talk about multiple because that's what counts for a long term investor. Uh, 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 the the VC early stage VC space is more interesting, uh, but going into early stage VC, you need to have a dedicated network, uh, and 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 also on the buyout side, you need to have a dedicated network. That's why we said we we do have a separate team that's doing nothing else than venture. It's not fully true because on the growth side, the two teams work together <laughs> again, uh, but the networks are different. The VC space is currently very interesting because there is generational shifts uh, going on, there's new managers popping up, uh, 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 and we have uh, uh, also committed to some new managers, although the managers are new, the, the funds are new, not mm -hmm. the people. The people are experienced people, yes. otherwise we wouldn't do it. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting movements at the moment, and it's uh, uh, of course it's people business. Uh, uh, our colleague from Generation uh, said, it, "I can only support this," uh, but in venture, it's probably the only thing that you can count on. It's it's the people, especially if you do first-time venture and early-stage venture. Mm. I mean, I, th I think from. Uh, I have sort of less of a deep sort of perspective on this topic, but I, th I think one one thing I, I think is becoming more, you know, I, I would suspect is becoming more more interesting or challenging for for LPs to to think about is, as you see some of these blowing of the boundaries, often people have quite specific you know mandates and and boxes that they're trying to put people in, and they say, okay, I've got an allocation for for growth or for VC or for private equity, and then suddenly someone comes up and they say, well, I'm I'm mostly doing growth, but I do some VC occasionally, and you're, you're thinking, okay, well, which, you know, how do I, how do I, you know, deal with that? Um, I think there's, there's some element of it which is, which is sort of, you know, good and, and thought-provoking, and, and, and I think sometimes actually the problem with our industry is that we, we can be too fixated on, on sort of boxes which sometimes can constrain innovation when people are, are thinking about evolving something in a, in a particular way. Um, but I, I think that would be one of the you know, conundrums that must be sort of created for people. And then how about Christina, like your experience, experience in being in the quite a long time in the VC investment side, and how how's it impacting on your way, way of evaluating the managers, and the, the, especially maybe on buyout side, is there a difference when you're looking at the buyout under the VC? Um, I think... I have become a better buyout investor by doing a lot of VC investments because for a buyout investor, it's vital to understand what opportunities and threats are from the new companies coming up in the market. And it is a big difference between different buyout managers, their approach to address these digitization, uh, globalization within tech and a lot of tech-related areas. And some chooses to have... Uh, the tech guy uh, who shall solve all the tech issues and other ones really try to um, have tech understanding and knowledge as uh, something very important for the whole investment organization and I think these uh, increased knowledge and understanding of how new technology can impact on traditional business model is vital for the future and um, it is a shift going on in the buyout side. 
and I think they also need to learn how to cooperate when they start to do investments in between different asset classes because the governance models in buyout and venture is very different. For instance, um, the founder or CEO is replaceable in buyout. That person is not replaceable in early stage venture growth companies. And it's different to be a majority investor compared to a minority investor. Uh, so I think they really need to, to, to develop their governance models from both sides, both from the venture growth area and the buyout area, and really need to broaden their own networks to, to understand how the different governance models work. Okay, wow, fantastic. So we have two minutes left. So let's look a little bit into the future. We've been a little bit looking past and then can you give us some kind of predictions on like is it one, two, three, five years going on? Market is moving, shifting, there's new players, there's soft firms, there's this that's happening. Can you give some from your gut feeling, not not the analytical science part or the math part, but more from the gut feeling, what's gonna where's the market going? What are we going to see in a couple of years happening? Who wants to grab this one first? Uh, yeah, uh, so I have to put a disclaimer in, in place first. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> a long one, very long one. Uh, 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 let's let's take five years view and three years view is not a good thing. Let's take a ten, ten years view. Uh, Even better. Uh, uh, I do believe for the for the current decade, this technology uh, impact will stay alive. That's for sure. Uh, mainly driven by software, software data. but we should not forget and uh, uh, to mention that here when we're always talking about tech immediately is software, it is not the case. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some fundamental problems in the world that cannot be solved by software. I'll give you one example, uh, the whole uh, electrical storage uh, topic is for our environmental setup an extremely mm -hmm. uh, important one and one where we don't have yet satisfactory solutions. I don't believe that the lithium-ion battery is the solution. Yeah. Uh, and I don't believe, uh, personally, not even for the car and not at all for the grid. Yeah. And that is something, um, there's a demand in a society which really, are not. this is only one example, there's a lot of demand in the society that needs technology solutions. Desperately, I have to say, and uh, climate change it's, it's a desperate need than what we have there. We cannot grow uh, the renewable energy generation, electricity generation up to up beyond a certain kind without having something like uh, energy storage on grid scale. And no one has a solution yet. So th those things will, uh, will drive also our business, I think, uh, heavily. Thank you. I mean, we, we spend a fair amount of time, you know, looking at, at uh, you know, both at software and, and applied AI. And I think in, in 10 years' time, you know, a bit like even investment firms are sort of increasing their adoption of technology. I think in, in 10 years' time, it'll be, you know, hard to see, not see every company as a technology company in, in some way, shape or form. And I, and I think the, um, you know, the democratization of, of and making it easier and having better systems around to enable people to use sort of machine learning, it'll, it'll just become a, you know, a very natural part of, of people's daily life. Okay, Christina, very quick one. <laughs> I think the private part of the market will still continue to grow. And I think it will grow in a sustainable way because people really want to work with things that makes a difference. Hey, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, audience, for listening. And let's give a hand to our fantastic panelists. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>